Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Game Time. Okay guys, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Wizards tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Welcome to what is very technically another episode of Wizards After Dark, but it was what also is technically uh, the first ever episode of the new Wizards After Dark. Obviously, we are now part of The Athletic. If you're listening to this in the normal feed, then that's great. Keep listening in the normal feed. If you're a subscriber, keep being a subscriber. If you're new, welcome. Uh, This show is terrible. I don't know what you are doing listening to this thing, Uh, but... My my guest today is really good. I'm Fred Katz, by the way. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. Wizards After Dark is now part of The Athletic. I'm going to give a little spiel on what to do with that in a second. But first, I'm just going to introduce my guy who's on the Skype line right now. We did the same podcast around this time last year, right before the season started. And uh, Matt Moore from the Action Network is, uh, is my resident uh, gambling degenerate. So I had to call him up. And we're going to do some Wizards preseason over-unders right now that I made up. Let's do it, man. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. Well, so before we start off, I just want to let everybody know uh, this is the first episode that is now Wizards After Dark is now officially part of The Athletic. If you're a subscriber, you might have seen that that, that little new trailer came across your uh, your whatever it's called, your podcast app by now. There are going to be special subscriber episodes that are on The Athletic. I will tweet out the actual link that you want to be using uh, to to sign up. You can sign up for The Athletic if you're not already a subscriber with a 40% off discount, and you can get on there. I believe that's just theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. I should have that up right away. Uh, I'll actually call that up to, to let all of you guys know that. Uh, but you can sign up right there for 40% off, and you'll be able to get those bonus episodes. There will probably be one a week. So if you're an avid listener of the show... Totally worth it. You also get all of my coverage. You get David Aldridge's Wizards coverage, Michael Lee's Wizards coverage, Ben Standing's Wizards coverage, and literally everything else that we put on the athletics. So there are other DC teams that you might root for and other NBA teams and MLB and NFL and all of our national guys and NHL and all that stuff. So uh, WNBA, everything that you need is is right there. In my money, or in my opinion, it's worth the subscription, not even just because I'm biased and I work for them. I was a subscriber before I started working. Um Matt, you ready? Uh, ready to get this thing going? First, first one: wizard, Wizards over unders. Uh, first one: I said Bradley Beal over under twenty seven point two points. Now, the reason I, I set that at line at twenty seven point two is, uh, and for those who don't know, over unders, we're just going to be guessing: is it going to be higher or lower? Uh, for those who don't know, why twenty seven point two? That's what he averaged after John Wall got hurt last year. Matt, what do you at? I think he got to the over. I think that everybody's expecting a big year from Beal. I don't know if the extension alters that, right? Like, he's no longer in a contract year. So um, that might, I guess, alter things. There are some guys that play better after they get the money and some guys that play better before they get the money. And so 
Uh, that I think has to be factored into the evaluation. But like, I mean, look, he's I think he's plus five hundred uh, to be the lead the league in scoring. That's probably a bar too high, uh, but he's going to be probably within that range. I think I would probably lean towards the over. So whenever I'm doing over under evaluations, uh, my objective is to try and figure out okay, what's like the range of outcomes? Where do they land? Like if if you played it out in every possible scenario and you remove things like you know the heat death of the universe and um, a giant worm swallows the earth and all of existence. All the, if you take all those out with, with the like way the, the wizards injury report is right now, like a giant, a giant worm swallows the earth. Like worm. wouldn't be that shocking. Right. Um, but we look at like the reasonable outcomes. Where does it lie? Does it lie? Do those outcomes lie more to the over or the under? Cause if you just try and be like, I think he's going to average 28 points a game. Well, you, I mean, that, that's very liquid, but if you think, well, I think the, the range of outcomes are more towards one side or the other. Um, there's probably reason uh, to take the under just out of sheer probability, but I tend to want to think that in, in terms of a per-game scoring average, before he is inevitably shut down uh, to protect uh, the efforts to completely tank out the season and to make sure he doesn't get hurt after their year is over, I think you have to take the over. I, th- I think that it's reasonable to think that he is going to carry such an offensive load. And to be honest, like they do have, have mechanisms on the team to provide him with at least passes and opportunities to get those shots, it's just not going to wind up, I don't think, meaning much. The question is, like, if he averages 28, 29 versus 27, does that radically change the outcome of the Wizards' season? Like, by point differential, it should, right? Like, if you just add two points to any team's differential, it winds up mattering. But I'm not sure with, with the Wizards, as bad as they are, if it actually will. I kind of lean towards the over. I think he's going to have ample opportunity. Sure, he's going to be number one on the scouting report, but he's been number one on the scouting report and still put up big numbers. I think he's going to have a huge individual offensive season. I think he will have less incentive to try defensively because he'll realize the situation that he's in, uh, which will conserve his energy for the offensive end, and I think he puts up some big numbers. I'll take the over. I am going to tentatively take the over, like very t- like tentatively. And it's I, a sharp number. That's a that's a sharp that's a sharp over under for him. Well, I appreciate that because I made all of these lines except for one of them. So I, I I I will accept the compliment and run with it. The reason that I'm tentative though is because he was 27.2 after Wall got hurt. He was 25.6 for the season. But that was while leading the league in minutes. So last year he averaged 25 exactly 25 on the nose per 36 minutes. I think I don't think he's averaging 36.9 minutes per game again. Like that's right. coming down. I think he's going to be more in like a more normal, more manageable 33 to 34 range, which means now all of a sudden if you're averaging 28 in 33 minutes, I mean that's like 30 per 36 and that 5 point jump per 36 minutes. I mean that that's a huge leap. It's a really, really big leap to average that many points per 36 uh, or to increase your number that many points per 36. Now, I think he can do it because that 25 number is for the full season. And when John Wall went out, that number went up. So after John Wall went out, like we're talking about him averaging really, he averaged like 27 or so per 36. So so you're really getting closer to that number. Uh, and that's kind of why I set the line there. But when you when – you, the per 36 is like he's going to have to get it up like three points per 36 still. Uh, and that's that's a large increase. His role is going to be higher for the full year. I think we can assume like – I had this conversation with Nate Duncan when I went on his podcast. He kind of I, – I, Nate, Nate and I differ in that like Nate wants to be too early calling a guy going downhill, right? Like he always does that. 
And I think we can assume that at 26 years old, I think it's fair to assume that Bradley Beal is going to have gotten better, <laughs> knowing the work that he put in this offseason, knowing the fact that he literally has gotten better every year over the last three or four years since he's been healthy. Each year he's come back with something new, with something better. He shot 35% from three last year. I think it's totally realistic I predict that number will come up. I don't think he'll shoot 35 from three again. I think he'll shoot something in the high 30s or even 40, which he's done before, even though he's going to be taking more difficult threes. I just think that 35 is just, that's too low a number for him. He's too good of a shooter, even on seven or eight attempts a game, to be shooting 35 from three. I think he's going to be more in the 37 to 39 range or something like that. And so I think that'll bring up his points enough to get him there. But the reason that I'm tentative on it is because if he's playing, if you're playing 33 minutes a game, if that's what he ends up at, and it might not be, he might be 34 and a half, which will make this easier. But, but if he ends up at 33 minutes a game, it's really hard to average tw- over 27 points a game. I mean, you're talking about an unbelievable score, even on a bad team where you are by far the number one option. It is, it is really, really hard to do that. And, uh, that's kind of where my hesitance comes in, you know? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's good cause to that, right? Like, he has to get the minutes, he has to get the shots, he has to get the percentage. You have to hit all three of those target areas. Beal's been so good that I kind of want to lean on that side. I should note, by the way, I was I was off. I had missed a number there because <laughs> I hadn't memorized it. Uh, he's not plus 500 to win the scoring title. He is somewhere between plus 1,600 and plus 2,500 to win the scoring title. So radically that different odds on that front. Um, I mean, that's not that bad of a bet. Plus twenty five hundred, you're getting pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a good number on that, right? Like that's, for a guy that's, that's going to have so bad. Like he you know, could like average twenty. You know, Harden obviously is Yaz on favorite, having done it so many years in a row. Um, Steph Curry is going to be another one that people are going to talk about. But really, when you look at it, um, are Beal and Curry situations radically different? Like, are they are they really radically different in that? The Warriors are better than the Wizards, no doubt, because the Wizards have definably probably the worst roster in the NBA currently. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to carry their team. They're going to have ample opportunities. The big key is is that he'll get boosted. You know, the, the average will get boosted. You're right. They, they may aim for him to play that lower minute total, but there will be games in which they have a rare opportunity to win, and you know that both he and Brooks are going to be like, no, 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 like, let's go for this. Like, let's, let's try and get one just to stop losing every game like let's try and break this 10 game losing streak that we're on um this 15 game losing streak that we're on let's try and get one here we have a chance um Beal's cooking he's got you know 36 after three quarters let's leave him in and see what we can do here he'll have those nights where he gets higher minute allotments and I think that will boost him up a little bit even if his average I think his average will be pretty I think his floor will be pretty high too right like there just won't be a lot of nights where Beal is like, wow, he just wasn't really there. Like he's gonna, he knows what he's supposed to do this season, and he has so little expectations on him because of how dreadful the roster is that I think there's a real opportunity for him to kind of do, you know, not whatever he wants, but to pursue individual greatness. There's a real opportunity for him to do that right now. I mean, look, his efficiency was really good last year, and it could go down a little bit, but since he's really become like all caps Bradley Beal, say like the last three years. He's been a really efficient player, so maybe his efficiency dips to like what it was two years ago, but that's still pretty good. He sh- he shot fifty five percent on two pointers last year. Like yeah. he he is he has be- become a versatile enough scorer, 
And just watching him now, I think he's more patient in the pick and roll. I think he's more prodding. I think he's a better distributor, which is going to help because it's going to help him in terms of his scoring numbers because teams are going to have to play that pass more, and it's just going to open up shots for him more often. Well, are they – like yes, yes. There's a difference, Matt. There's a difference between having to play something schematically and a difference between when you're on the floor and Bradley Beal is beating you with two straight passes and it's in the back of the defender's mind and he's like, "crap, he's beating me with two straight passes," and then he's just a little bit more uncomfortable. Sure, that's true. That's true. If the guys can make them, that's true. But there's also the chance of the other one, which is like, "Oh, what a really nifty pass!" But oh no, no, he, he missed. Oh no, that's another. <laughs> Yeah, oh. that's fair. And then and then that's the defender so is on the other end where he's like, I mean, he passed it twice, but they can't hit anything because it's the Wizards. That's a totally fair. I have nothing to. I mean, but look, his numbers. Um, the best scorers in the league. One of the things I've started to look at. Uh, Kawhi got me on this of looking at uh, how do you do in various play sets. So synergy is the best tool that we have currently um, to evaluate or that I have currently to evaluate that. Like second spectrum has some of the better data, but I don't have access to that. Um, But when you look at Beal's efficiency last year, like 76th percentile scoring as the ball handler, he's 55th percentile in transition, which sometimes the key players really struggle with because guys kind of zone in like Harden and Westbrook's transition numbers are poor because guys are freaking out whenever they have the ball in transition and they throw like three dudes at him to try and stop him. Um, spot up, he's 88th percentile. You know, coming off the screen, he was down last year at only 44th percentile. He could probably take that back up this year. In isolation, 61st percentile. Handoff, 75th percent. Like, he is so good across the board in every single aspect that that's what you really need if you want to get that, those high scoring figures. Like, Harden does it in only like two areas. But Beal's got a real possibility to be in that conversation because he can adapt and score in so many different ways. All of his looks are good looks, and that I think is important for evaluating his scoring his scoring capacity. All right, shall we move on? Let's do it. Uh, this one's a parlay. We allow right. we allow parlays at this sports book. I like it. Uh, Davis Bertans and CJ Miles teams played for in 2019-20 set at one and a half. Basically, will they trade both Davis Bertans and C.J. Miles, who are both on expiring deals? Uh, I will parlay the under of Bertans with the over for C.J. Miles. Okay. So, Miles, it makes the most sense as a trade ship. He'll probably get included in some as some sort of like – he'll as a bonus or a filler deal. Uh, Bertans would still be in San Antonio if – hijinks had not ensued um, with with the Morris deal. Uh, had that not occurred, Davis Berton, Davis Bertans would still be in San Antonio. They liked him. He's a phenomenal shooter. He's a really good talent. You saw it in preseason. He's going to continue to put up numbers. Um, you know, th- There's that part of me when you watch preseason stuff that you're trying really hard not to overreact or really react to anything. And then there's some of the, those nights with the, with the Wizards where I was like, maybe they could score a little bit on some nights. Like maybe, yeah, I maybe they too. Got, Maybe they got a little something offensively. And it's probably drastically overstated. But, you know, Bertans was legitimately one of the, the best shooter in the NBA last season for most of the year. Um, I think that'll shine through. And he's just he's, – he's so affordable and good – 
Uh, he's low maintenance. He's like this nice combination of things that you want. And so I think he won't get dealt. Uh, CJ just makes too much sense. to. If there's a deal available, he'll probably get, get moved um, just based off of the Wizards' likelihood of, of making some sort of trade in season because they have the capacity and the need to kind of, you know, manipulate some of the salary. Um, I'm, I'm almost tempted to take the under on both, but I'll go ahead and I'll take the over on Miles and the under on Bertans. I agree with everything you said about Bertans. Okay. And that's why I'm taking the over for both of them. Oh, I think I think they're both gonna be traded. Just uh, seller, just total seller mode, huh? Well, here's the thing. I think if they were a if this were a normal year, if they were, I shouldn't say a normal year. I should say what has been the norm in the last three years. We meaning everybody assumes the Warriors are gonna win. If that were the case with the league this year, I would probably take the under on Bertans. Because I agree with everything that you said about him. And he has just fit in. I feel comfortable even in the preseason saying he has fit in seamlessly. Because I expected him to fit in seamlessly. And he's looked like he's fit in seamlessly. So I'm going to say he's fit in seamlessly. And I think he will fit in seamlessly. He has a skill set and a style and a mentality that would fit in seamlessly to any team in the league. And that is why I'm taking the over. Because... Let's say the Wizards are where we expect them to be. Whatever you, wherever you expect them to finish in the standings, don't say where because we're getting that lot later. Wherever I expect them to finish, it's at or near the bottom of the league, right? You yeah. get to February. They don't want to repeat mistakes of last year. One of the mistakes of last year was holding on to Trevor Ariza and holding on to Jeff Green in a market that had already dictated that like Justin Holiday could go for two second-round picks, right? And they – held on to those dudes so they can make a run at the eighth seed, even though there were 10 games under 500 at the time of the trade deadline. They don't want to repeat mistakes next year. I could see in some ways an overcorrection, but I don't even want to call it an overcorrection because I don't even know if the time it's going to be then implies a mistake. I don't even know if the time it's going to be a mistake. But I also think they might be able to get a lot for Bertans. Uh, now, the value in holding on to him in this case is that you have his bird rights and he's a good, competent player who's only 26 years old and you can move on with him. But... There are so many teams that consider themselves contenders. And if we go to February and there are still like five teams that think, yeah, we can win the finals, but we just need a shooter. We need one dude who's going to fit in seamlessly, who doesn't need a training camp to do it, and he's just going to fit when we get him, and who we don't have to give back a ton of salary in order to get. Well, the Wizards might be able to get a lot for him. Like, figure, you know, a lot relatively for what he is. Not getting two first-round picks, but they might be able to get like a nice pickback for for a half for considering they're only giving up a half a season rental of of Davis Bertans. They might be able to get back a young guy who they like more than the team that's giving them up. I mean, there are scenarios in which I could see them getting more for Bertans in a year like this year than they would have in previous years because there are more teams who are going for it. He's the type of guy who is so much more valuable on a really good team than he is on a team that's like going to end up winning twenty something games. And so I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they held on to him because they like him a lot, and I think he's going to have a really good year for them. And if they just want like, at some points like you need competent basketball players, you need to hold on to competent basketball players. And so if they figure you got his bird rights, that's it. We want him. That's great. Uh, but you know what? That could be a tool to trade him, too, because this summer's free agency class is really, really bad. And a way to get guys could be trading for guys who, you know, whose bird rights carry over, right? 
And so, like, if a team wants to stay really good for the next year, too, they could make their, their figurative offseason move in February and then just try to re-sign Bertans when he hits free agency. Uh, and so that's that's another reason. Uh, Miles, I think it just it just makes sense. His his timeline makes more sense, especially if he if he plays okay. And I can see the Wizards trading for like uh, you know someone on a two year deal and taking back an asset for his eight million dollar salary, or even for Yamahimi's sixteen million dollar salary. So I think those guys are are more plausibly than not going to end up elsewhere too. Um, but yeah, that's my Berton spiel. Isn't it funny how like we can both think the exact same about Bertans and that can lead us to exact opposite opinions on him? Yeah, I just I think I think you're off. Um and I think one, you're not gonna get a good pick in return for a half season of Davis Bertans. Like Oh, you can get a good second rounder. You can get like two second rounders. I, no, I here's the thing. I don't think any the analytics department may chime in and be like, this is definitely the guy you want. You want to get this guy right here, right? Uh, because his plus minus is great. His efficiency is awesome. He's going to grade out well in all these things. Came out of the Spurs system. But, like, the scouts are, are never going to go in on that. Like, the scouts are going to continuously be like, eh, he's a guy. Eh. Like, they're never going to be like, this is the difference maker for us. Like, we should, we're, we should give up capital to get – Berton. Like, Bertons is going to put us over the top. Like, nobody's going to say that. Not for a half season. Like, if you had him cost-controlled for a year and a half, then sure. But not for a half season. Not when it's like, oh, no, and then we have to pay him. You know, because it's like, what, what's your outcome then? It's like, all right, we, we make this deal. We get him. He gets us one round further than we thought. It's unlikely he's the difference in the title. And then, okay, well, well now we got to pay him. Now we... Now we've just paid two second rounders to give Bertans at age twenty seven a big new contract, right? Like that's that doesn't seem plausible. And the other thing is, look, I don't. The Wizards just gave Beal the extension. Like I don't have any sort of indication that the Wizards are just like, no, no, no. We like we want to like we're we're real serious about saving money and cleaning the cap, and like we we got to get back to a, to a ground zero start over. Like you know better than I do. That doesn't seem. No, like that's 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 a good point. The the Beal extension is a good point. At at yeah. some point you gotta Beal knows they're in a in a rebuilding year. He knows the state of the organization, but at some point you can't just like take away everybody who could potentially make his life easier. That's right. true. And, like, and you can get back Bertans and probably a pretty good deal next year. Um using a variety of, of mechanisms. So you know, I think or you know, or extend him or whatever. I think that there's like there are options there for them on the table with Bertans, and I think that he's good enough. Like, the thing is, like, he's really valuable to somebody like the Wizards, but for the Spurs, he was expendable to try and get Morris. And, like, that's... Morris is not exactly a Spurs dude, which is in, indicative by the fact and, that... And of he what didn't he end up as a Spur. Yeah, as, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Morris is definitely not a Spurs dude. And yet, and so as such, he wound up pulling what he did on San Antonio and leaving them very mad about it. Um, so I don't know. I just think that um, I think you're I think you're off on that one, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to come back to it and hold us accountable. We're going to okay. find out. Uh, Wizards defensive rating rank. Where will the Wizards rank in points allowed per 100 possessions? Over or under 26 and a half the place. I'll say mine first this time. Since you went first, the first two. Uh, by the way, last year they were 27th. Uh, Atlanta was 28th. Phoenix was 29th. Cleveland was 30th. And I'm going over. 
I think they and Cleveland are very plausibly going to be the two lowest rated defenses in the league. The argument against that is that last year they had, as Scott Brooks called it, a play hard problem. And this year they probably won't have that because they have a bunch of 20-something-year-olds who cannot realistically have a play hard problem or else they will not be in the NBA anymore. Uh, And so they're going to play hard and they're going to be scrappy. And when they play a random okay team who doesn't necessarily give a crap or is tired or is on the second night of a back-to-back or whatever it is, they might surprise them every once in a while. And the the team that just plays hard every night probably isn't going – like is like actually has its crap together, probably isn't going to finish in the bottom two or three in defense because that's normally where those teams are. But that being said, man – they they had the fifth worst – offense goes up every year, I know this. They had the fifth worst offensive efficiency – or defensive efficiency, points allowed per 100 possessions since NBA.com started tracking that in 1996. And they – that was with half a season of Otto Porter. That was with Thomas Sadoransky for the full year. That was with more than half a season of Trevor Ariza. Sadoransky's gone. Ariza's gone. Porter's in Chicago. I don't know who they're like – if you just go based on not necessarily for like who do you want for one possession, but just like who is going to give them on the aggregate the best defensive contributions, I don't know who it's going to be. Is it Troy Brown? I think it's Troy Brown. And if that's the case, like we're talking about a really, really down defense. Who's it after him? Bradley Beal, who had a, a really down defensive year last year because of how much he had to do offensively. I mean, I you, you swap out Sadoransky for a combination of Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas. On the wings, you swap out, you know, half a season of Porter and and more than half a season of Ariza for for you know just not like a rookie in Rui Hachimura. Uh, Bertans is 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 kind of capable. Um, you know, may, may, he's up there as probably one of their best defenders. Uh, Thomas Bryant did not show defensive shops last year, and uh, we'll see if he got better. He's 22. It's plausible he got better. He's got a seven six wingspan. If he starts to put his hands up defending the rim and that kind of stuff, he can he can just get better just doing that. But we we haven't seen it, and like I'm I'm really worried about what this defense is going to end up looking like, even if they end up playing hard, just because it's like a bunch of 22 year olds normally don't know how to play defense, especially ones who don't already come in with a defensive reputation and defensive chops. So I really want a, a book to offer the prop on who's going to have the worst defensive rating. Like that's the kind of stat that I really want to bet on uh, in preseason. Uh, I would bet on the, on the Hawks having the worst. Okay, so Yeah, that's a good one. The Hawks are going to have the worst, I think, by a pretty fair margin. I think they may actually be like a point to two points worse than number 29. Um, 29 is probably going to be Cleveland. And then from there, you know, my initial reaction was like, well, maybe, well, yeah, maybe. And then, like, I sat down and really looked at the roster. And you're right. Like, it's just, nope. Like, there, I can't, even if a team's bottom falls out. Because, like, the Pelicans have a real capacity under Alvin Gentry. When they're bad defensively, they're real bad. Like, they're so bad. And they're young. On the aggregate, even with Drew Holiday, like that was the dirty secret last year. Is the reason that Drew didn't do as well in all the def- defensive votes was because the Pelicans' defensive rating was really the, was really poor. Like I think the Pelicans are probably going to be a pretty rough defensive team, but they're not. Bradley Beal, Jan Mahinmi, Thomas Bryant, Bertans, like the guard, their guard, all their people are small. 
They don't have any size. Yeah, you know, one of the big things that I think is super interesting is that, like, they had for years the biggest point guards in the league this side of Ben Simmons. I mean, John Wall and Thomas Sadoransky, those are a couple of really, really big point guards, and now they've got the smallest point guard rotation in the league, Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, those are those are small point guards, and I Ish Smith is six feet, and he he legit is six feet, but like he's like slender. I mean, he's he he's not you know, if he hits a screen, he's hitting that screen, and like that's a, that's going to be a big change stylistically in their defense too from these like big long point guards. Right, you know, and like you said, Bryant's too young to probably know how to influence anything, uh, and he's so. Like his his upside is all in in being a production big in terms of getting points and rebounds, um, so there's no real. A lot of it's like, what's the motivation? Like they're gonna lose a bunch of games because the, the whole team's crappy. So like, where players' motivation? Who on this team is gonna be motivated to play defense? Like Kelly Oubre would help this so much. Like if they had Kelly Oubre, just Kelly Oubre, I'd be like, no, okay, you're. I think they'll probably be like 25th. You're a bigger like, Kelly Oubre guy than me. They'll be like, oh, they'll probably be 25th. Like, Ubre cares. Like, he gives an effort. It's not always a smart one. Yeah, I was going to say, he's out of position a lot. Right, right. I think his heart's in the right place. His mind is, is, is seldom where it needs to be. But that's fixable. You can't make Isaiah Thomas bigger. You can't make Ish Smith bigger. You can't make C.J. Miles younger. Like, you can't make Davis Bertans quicker. You know, like just physically, this team I don't think is going to be able to defend. So yeah, I got to take the I have to take the over at twenty six and a half. If it's twenty seven and a half, it's probably a stay away. But at twenty six and a half, I got to go ahead and take the over. I'm happy with my lines that I've set so far. I think they're pretty good. They're real sharp. They, I, these are real sharp lines. I think they're pretty good. I'm coming for you at Action Network. Okay. Uh, this this next one I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, I think this is going to be a good conversation. Bradley Beal technical fouls, seven and a half. He had a career high ten techs last year. Most of them came early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them came before John Wall got hurt, when they were just like, you know, they were just in dumpster fire mode from the beginning. And then it was just like they weren't good at the end of the year, but they were just like a normal bad team. There wasn't all the the drama and the stuffiness from early in the year. I Brad's never had more than four in any other year, but he's also been on good teams. This year, I assume he's going to be more frustrated because he's a wildly competitive guy. What are you saying? Under. 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 Okay. I think I, – I just – look, he can be wildly competitive, but – I have I don't I've never covered Beal day to day like you have I've had I've been in like a handful of scrums with the guy, um, he's smart enough to realize there's just no point in it. Like, is it worth the money to get worked up about it? Like, you, you have to keep in mind how long the season is. Like, if you're a fan, like you have to keep in mind like, you know. He may be he may be fired up and he may have like four that first month of the season when it's like really frustrating and like no I thought we could actually oh no we can't but by December he's gonna be in okay the rest of the year is about getting points getting buckets getting on Sports Center um, and like it's reasonable like it's just 
it's really odd to me because I think early in guys' careers, because in high school and in college, every game matters so much. And in football, it's different because you go to the NFL and it's the same thing. You go from 12 to 16 and still every single game matters so much. And then you get in the NBA and you're just like, I'm going to like, you talk to the, the, the veterans and they're just in such a different headspace because it's like, I've lost hundreds of games. I'm going to lose hundreds more. That's how it goes. And in a year like that, like he's just going to know the deal. Like Bradley Beal's not looking at this team being like, I think we can do something. Like he may say that, but that's not how he is. So I just cannot believe that he's going to be willing to spend the money on seven and a half technical fouls and risk those kind of like the the damages that those things can incur in terms of the cumulatives and you know. Also, there's the responsibility of like I got to stay in the game. Right, it's one thing when it's like we're trying to win, and if I get kicked out, then John's got my back. But now it's like I can't get kicked out because like I'm the only way we can win this game, and I think that winds up mattering. So I'll take the the under on seven and a half. I think he finishes with like five. I'm taking the under too. I set the I set the line too high. Yeah, you should have put. This I should have set it four and a half. Five and I would put five and a half. Like yeah. that would be like reasonable, right? It's like if you had four early in the year. And then you add in, like, all the, the context of everything that happened last year. I would have gone, like, five and a half. Yeah. But, yeah, seven and a half. It's too high. Yeah, it's too – because yeah. if you notice, too, like, the guys that lead the league in, in technicals, like, there's guys like Cousins that are the outlier. But, like, Draymond's been at the head of the pack a lot. Kevin Durant's led it the last couple of years. Um, but those guys were in competitive situations. You have to be in situations where you're upset about a call right. so much. Westbrook's always up there. Yeah, like you have to be in situations where you're upset about a call so much that you altering the way that the official is thinking is worth the tech. And you can't do that if it's like you're down 25. That doesn't that doesn't change anything. Then you're just being selfish. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be the under. I, I, I don't think Beal is, you know, uh, just being around Brad the first month or so, three weeks, three weeks of the season now, I don't think he's going to be as frustrated as I thought he would be coming into this year. I think that is very apparent because he he extended. He wouldn't have extended if he weren't happy. You don't willingly stay in a place when they're telling you that you your contract is going to be up in yep. two years if you're not happy there. Uh, so, so I think he's less frustrated, and I think because of that we're going to see fewer. And that's my, uh, my simple logic. Make some money. Make some money, get some shots. No one's gonna blame. He's also in like the lowest stress situation in terms of the what. No, he is not gonna take an ounce, an ounce of criticism for the Wizards' record. Like nobody is gonna point to the Wizards and be like, if Brad Beal's so good, why aren't they better? Because everybody's able to look at the roster and be like, who's their second best player? It's either Thomas Bryant or Rui Hachimura. Is that a challenge? Because I'll, I'll come at it. I will make sure to. I will. I will criticize Bradley Beal for being a Cardinals fan. <laughs> I will criticize Bradley Beal for enjoying St. Louis pizza, which is disgusting. It's horrible. It's horrendous. Emos, emos is, is awful. Emos is my my like dream NBA story is to talk to Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum, Tatum. Yep. and David Lee. 
and other St. Louis players, if I'm forgetting them, who played in the NBA and get their takes on St. Louis pizza, have them speaking about how much they love St. Louis pizza, and then use the story to just destroy them because St. Louis pizza is disgusting. It's the worst. I went to school. You and I both went to school at the University of Missouri. So, like, we were subjected to the horribleness of St. Louis pizza. It is truly wretched. So Brett Dawson and I, Brett Dawson, who has been on this podcast and now covers the Lakers for us, uh, Brett Dawson and I have, like, a long-running joke about just how bad St. Louis pizza is. And uh, the comment that Brett always makes is, who ever looked at pizza and thought, you know what the problem with this is? You know what this needs? Let's get rid of the mozzarella and replace it with provolone. Yeah. No one has ever thought that. It is terrible St. Louis pizza. Nightmare. Awful. Uh, this one is a real line. This I took from – I'm sure you're familiar with Jimmy Shapiro. Uh, this one is from Bet Online. Uh, and it was a real line, and it's the only line that I've seen for this, so I took it. And it's a real thing that you can bet on if you bet on betonline.com. I'm sure they're thrilled that I'm advertising it for them for free. Uh, Thomas Bryant's points over under in points per game is set at 11.5. And, and I was shocked by that because I would destroy that over. Like I think there's no way he is averaging fewer than 11.5 points per game this year. He was he was 18 per 36 last year, and he played 20 minutes. And he is going to play at least 26 to 28 minutes a game. And they have gone out of their way to show in every way possible with their words, with their actions, with their schemes, with the way that they're running their offense this year, with everything. With the fact that they're letting him take eight threes in a preseason game against the Bucks, and being like, yeah, those are good shots. He was open. I mean – the fact that they're giving him the ball in the high post and letting him do stuff, that they're giving him the ball in the low post and they've let him post up a little bit, there's no way that Thomas Bryant is averaging less than 11.5 points per game this year. Like, there's just no way. That that dude is averaging, not saying he's going to be 20 and 10, but, like, he's going to be a far cry from 11.5. I, I think if he was 18 per 36 last year and – he did it on insane efficiency. He had the highest two-point field goal percentage in the league and the highest restricted area field goal percentage in the league. And I'm not predicting that's going to happen. But the efficiency can go down, and the usage is just going to go so far up. He is not afraid to shoot. He is fine with shooting the basketball and happy to do it as soon as the ball touches his hands. If he has a 25% usage and he plays 26 minutes a game, and he could play more than that, by the way. Like He could easily play more than 26 minutes a game. If he plays 30 minutes, there's no way he's averaging 11.5. If he plays 26, I think there's no way he averages 11.5. I think he's going to be somewhere in the 14 to 18 range. Yeah, uh, th- this line is not sharp. This line is definably not sharp. Right. If so, I set the line for him, I was going to set it because I was going to set a Thomas Bryant points thing, and then I saw that as like an actual line, and I was like, no way. I should just tell the listeners to go bet the over on this thing, and they can all make money, and then they can use that money to subscribe to The Athletic and listen to this podcast more. Uh, 62% from the field last year. Like, his whole thing was how – like, I was going to suggest we do a prop on how many games he shoots more than five shots at 100% field goal percentage. Like, he he is hyper-efficient. He will have a ton of opportunities when – Beal runs pick and roll and hesitates at the elbow, and they blitz him there, and then he just dumps it off underneath. 
versus the bad teams. Uh, he plays in the Eastern Conference versus your your Hawks and your Cavs and teams with very little uh, inside rim protection. The Celtics, another team that's going to be really struggle at the rim. Like Bryant should be a monster. What would you put the line at? If I were going to set the line, sixteen. Yeah, I, I was my my initial thought was fifteen and a half, and then I was like, I think it's too low. Like I think you got to go sixteen and a half. Like, I yeah. think he, I think he can. Re- I, I would probably still lean towards him averaging seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised at all. Just he- like because part of it also is is this gets into like my very not it's not jaded. It's just I started to view the NBA regular season through a very weird different lens than most people, and that's just like look, someone's gonna score. Like like a hundred percent. Well, so I've been Matt. I've been referring to this as the somebody's got to score rankings. Yeah. And like like Mo Wagner is making his way up the somebody's got to score rankings on the Wizards right now, because like I'm like people are like you think Mo Wagner is going to do stuff this year? Mo Wagner wasn't good in summer league. He wasn't good with the Lakers last year. Why do you think he's going to do stuff? And the answer is because somebody got to score. Like yeah. that is the reason they're an NBA team. Like, they're going to score a hundred points. The question yeah, is, they're who's going to score like, those They're an NBA points. team. They're not going to score 75 points a game. Right. Like, there will be nights. Like, there will be nights when the Wizards will probably score, like, the under for the Wizards, like, the lowest point, their lowest scoring output of the season um, is probably, like, 79 and a half, right? Like, they'll, and I might lean towards the under. Like, I think there will probably be a night when it's like, oh, man, they scored 75 and, you know, some real defensive dredge team you know, put up 105 on them and beat them by 30 in a low-paced game. Um, like the Spurs, that's a good candidate, right? I think the Spurs will probably be better defensively this year um, than they were last year. Like, that's a good candidate for a team that just, like, out-executes you and you can't do anything and Beal has an off night or isn't playing or whatever. Like, there there will be those kind of nights. But, like, on average, like, guys are just going to get buckets. It's, just, it's what happens in the NBA. Like, somebody's going to score. And so, like, Thomas is going to get, like, like Brian's going to get, like nine points just from minutes, just from being on the court. And so if I'll, I'll, I'll say this too, if he finishes with under sixteen and a half points, then something has gone horribly wrong with his career. Yeah, yeah. Or or for whatever reason they just play him twenty four minutes. But I guess yeah. something's going horribly wrong if he's only playing twenty four minutes. Yeah, or what? Well, or they've you know they've managed to, to to just swindle a team for a really good center, like just a absolute steal. right. They somehow end up with Domas Sabonis. Yeah, or like the Magic pull the plug halfway through the season and trade Vucevic for you know whatever. Right, right. Yeah, that's really the only way. Yeah. But but even so. Even if he plays, even if you told me today Thomas Bryant is going to play 24 minutes a game, I I would take the over on 11 and a half. Just too low. Yeah, I would still take the over, and there's he's not going to play 24. Like, it's not even like he put up those numbers as a bench player, and now he's entering the starting lineup, and so other guys are going to get shots, and he's not the future player. He was a starter last year. Yeah. So, I don't know where that came from. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Lions got to be some like like legit like five points higher. Uh, another parlay, a games played parlay. John Wall games played set at zero point five, and Isaiah Thomas games played set at forty and a half. So 
So you're gonna have to give me. We, we I need the money line. I need to know where the juice is on this one. So what I mean by that is like. I would put John Wall over 0.5. I'm going to need to get like plus 150 to plus 200 on that number. Now you're you're Where, you're let's make things easy. You're even on both of them. I that's not fair. Like I definitely because <laughs> if, if we're evaluating the smart side of this, like I'm probably getting plus 150 on the over plus 200, maybe even better on that, honestly. Right? Like right now the a, a bookmaker would probably be like plus 400 maybe to try and invite some action on it, and I would definitely take the over. Like, I just believe that that if John Wall can play, he'll just be like, screw. Like, I think John Wall may have actually reached the limit of, like, of, like, fine. Like, every, like eat at Arby's. Every, basketball nihilism. Why not? <laughs> screw it. I'm going to play. And I'm just going to, like, try and kill everyone, and if I get hurt, who cares? Because um, everything has gone so horribly wrong anyway. Um, so I'll take the over there. I have to take the under on Isaiah. Um after last year, just seeing him with the Nuggets and like they really wanted him to be good and they were super patient with him and he couldn't make the first date for his return. He couldn't make the second date for his return and like everybody stuck by him and everybody was really cool and everybody wanted him to succeed. And when he first played, like everyone wanted him to really thrive. And then it was like, oh man, we are so bad with him on the court. Like, a bench unit that had been phenomenal all year was suddenly garbage when Isaiah Thomas was on the floor. And, like, the Wizards are going to be bad anyway, but the problem is, like, I think Ish Smith will probably be pretty good. And I think that that gives you extra problems, too, of just, like, do I want to, like, you know, even if it makes us worse, do I want to, like, we could still lose but be res- be better so I will take the under, and I just I he's got he's had so many problems, and now he's two years removed. Like it's just been so long. I have to go ahead and hedge and take the under on forty and a half. That number's too high. But I so I'll, I'll take the over on Wall and the under on Thomas. Yeah, the thing with Isaiah that so many people don't talk about for some reason. I don't know why. I've talked about it on this podcast before. It's uh. And it's sad because, God, his last year in Boston, he was so awesome. He had like – he had a 34% usage rate that year, Matt, and his true shooting percentage was like 63%. He, he bumped his usage to a career high in usage and then bumped his true shooting percentage to a career high in true shooting. It's like, what the hell? When you shoot more, your efficiency is supposed to go down. It's not supposed to vault up to an insane number. It's, it, he was he was unreal. The amount he got to the line, the way he shot, the way he took command of an offense. God, he was so great. And to watch him last year in 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 Denver, people talk about well, you know, he's just been hurt the last two years, but that he hasn't just been hurt. Like he didn't play twelve games last year because he was hurt for seventy of them. He played last twelve games because he was hurt for a large percentage of those seventy came back and wasn't good enough to play. I mean just just there were just better players than him and better options on a winning team. And um it's it's sad, but that's just kind of the evidence that we have for him. Uh just what he was in Denver and what he was in LA and what he was in Cleveland. I mean that's the recent evidence that we have to form a form an opinion on on what he can be and I think he can get better. He might have not been playing it 
but just based on his injury history, uh, I'm I'm going to take the under, but I'm I'm going to hope for the over because it's just sad and uh, getting to know him a little bit. He just everyone in the Wizards talks about what a great dude he is. Everybody with the Celtics talked about what a great dude he was. Um, it's sad, and so I I I don't want to see the under, but I will take that. And for Wall, I'm going to take the under. Uh, I would just be surprised if he played. I don't think they want to play him. He might be cleared to play, but I don't think they're going to play him. There's just no reason to play him. The only way I could see him playing is if they decided they wanted to do like a similar thing to the year that Paul George broke his leg. And Paul came back for the last like six games of that year and played like a few minutes a night just to like get a feel going into the offseason. But I just I can't even see him doing that. I just I don't think that John's going to play this year at all. I, my only retort, and you know the team better, and you know the personnel better, and maybe you have in, intel on this that I I am not aware of, so uh, I would lean towards your side. But I, I was just talking to a bunch of executives this this summer, and they were all making the same point to me, which is like so much of player ability, ability has nothing to do with what coaches or executives or anybody else wants or thinks, and it's just about does the player want that. Like, it's just about the player, and the player has all of the control in the relationship, and he makes all the decisions. And so if John Wall decides, like, I want to play, then can they realistically tell him no? And so, like, that's that's the question that, that, that makes me want to lean towards the over, is that if John Wall, like I said, just enters into nihilist, eat at Arby's mode, um, and he's just like, I want to play. I don't care. I, I want to play. Then if, if what that will do for the situation. That would be a crazy turn because I don't expect that to happen. But I also can't tell the future. Like, this isn't a sources. It can't be a sources thing. It's a predicting the future thing. <laughs> like, you know, it's regardless of how anybody feels today. If John Wall gets cleared in February or John Wall gets cleared in March and the second he's cleared, you know, regardless of how he feels today, if he's saying today, let's be patient. And then in March he's cleared and he's like, you know what, screw it, I'm playing and forces their hand. Then you're right, but that's a that's a tell in the future thing. So I, I'm gonna bet that he that doesn't happen. Uh, and when I say bet, I guess I mean it literally because we're betting right now. Uh, next up, we haven't talked about Rui at all. Uh, Rui Hachimura, and I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so we'll we'll spin through these last few. Uh, Rui Hachimura, all rookie team, uh, two and a half team, all rookie. That's a good term. Two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. I like that. So, will he make an all-rookie team, or will he not? Uh, I'll say... Yeah, I'll say he does. Yeah. Like, he'll have opportunity. Uh, these things are about opportunity. It's what it's about. It's about, do you, like, do you have an opportunity to get the number of minutes that you need to get there? Um, is that something that you... Are you able to reach a point where you have the access to production to get you noticed. And I think he will. So I think people will think like, oh, hey, you know who's really good? Hachimura. And so I think that will do well for him. And I think that he will make it. Yeah, I agree. And I actually do think he's he's kind of good. Like, he, he's looked good in the preseason. Even when he hasn't played well, like, he's looked good. You know? Like, he, he had a bad game against... Who was it? The Knicks. The Knicks? Someone. Yeah. Everybody had a bad game versus the Knicks that game. 
<laughs> yeah, I forget who it was. Um, this is what happens to my preseason brain. He had, he had, my preseason brain. He had, he had a bad game against somebody. He did not play well. He didn't shoot well. Uh, he didn't defend very well. He was just off. But he finished with a double double. Yeah, and he looked normal bad. He didn't look. Oh man, this rookie has a long way to go. He does not deserve to be on the floor right now. He didn't yeah. look that. He just looked like this guy's playing badly, which is fine. Rookies always have those nights. The best rookies have those. This guy is playing badly nights. But I think it's encouraging that on a this guy is playing badly nights, he still looked like he belonged on the floor, even in a game between two bad teams. So I'm taking the over or the under. Whichever one means he'll be on an all-rookie team. Because I think he's looked pretty good. I think he's going to play minutes. He's going to start right off the bat. He started every preseason game. Uh, if he plays well, would, he's going to keep that. It would be it would be more surprising if he was bad than if he was first team. Like, that's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, he's going to play 20-something minutes, and he's going to put up counting numbers, like you said, because if you're on the floor, you're just going to put up numbers by a product of your minutes. He's playing the four, so it's it's not like he's going to average three rebounds a game if he plays 25 minutes. He's gonna, just going to get some uncontested wide-open boards. He's going to get some uncontested wide-open layups and – He's going to put up some numbers, and and if he at all looks decent, which I think he will, I think he's pretty good. I think he's going to be a, a nice player. Uh, if he at all looks decent, then uh, then you know he makes it. Like if the number nine pick is 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 legit good, and is you know is is playing a lot, he's making an all rookie team. So I'm putting him there. Uh, next up, we're outstanding in the Eastern Conference, thirteen and a half the place. Over. 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 Over meaning they're finishing bottom two in the East. Yeah. I think, like, the Hawks are going to be bad. I have them. I have their under. Um, but I also think that the Hawks are going to be bad in a fun way, and they'll be sneaky, and they're going to catch some teams and be a pain. I think the Cavaliers have at least, like, a little capacity to be a pain um, because of their guard play. I, I just... I don't know any game in which I would like. Here's the thing: if the Hawks are without Trey Young, okay, say the Hawks are without Trey Young on a random Tuesday in February, and these two teams are playing one another, and they're in Washington, I'm still probably putting the line at Hawks minus one and a half. Like, I just don't know. You know, a lot of it is how many okay, how many guys do you have that are certifiable NBA players? And Thomas Bryant is I don't know if Jan is at this point, to be honest. Like I've I've watched Jan Mahimi all the way going back to Austin, uh, when he was with the Toros in the D League. So like I've seen Jan Mahimi's entire career. Uh don't know if he is at this point with all right, his, and he's and he's hurt now anyway. Right. I, I yeah. don't I don't think I don't think he's gonna be part of the rotation, to be honest, because to be Giannis because <laughs> because Mo, Mo Wagner they're going to give minutes to like right. even if they think that Yamahimi is better than Mo Wagner right now and quite frankly I don't think they even think that but even if they did think that they'd still give the minutes to Mo Wagner because Yamahimi yeah. is a veteran on an expiring deal like what is that going to do for you yeah. it's not like you're going to play him and all of a sudden his trade value is going to go up right it doesn't make a difference. His value is he's on an expiring deal, 
and and that's it. And his value to you in the present day is that he's a really good teammate and everybody really likes him and Thomas Bryant respects him and he can give advice to Thomas Bryant. And if he gets 12 minutes a game, it doesn't matter. Thomas Bryant is going to listen to him just as much. Uh, so they're going to play Mo Wagner because he's young. Yeah. He's a second-year so, player. He might become a decent player and he's looked good in the preseason. So they're going to play him. So like, I don't even consider Jan as, as part yeah. of the equation, to be honest. Plus right. he's hurt. Right, so like Bradley Beal... C.J. Miles is an NBA player. Thomas Bryant. Bertans is an NBA player. Ish Smith is an NBA player. Uh, Troy Brown I, I is an NBA player. Um, Rui, I will go ahead and say is. Like, he's looked good enough in preseason. It's a rookie, so you never know. But we'll go ahead and say that. That's seven. That's pretty good. Like, that's that's fine. Um, that's as many as, like, the Suns have. Uh, but a lot of those guys are, like... I don't know how many of those guys are, are positives. Like, I don't know how many of those guys are going to be like, oh, they're better. Like, they outscore their opponent with him on the floor. I just can't. I just can't find enough. So I, I think that they – to me, this is the worst roster um, in the NBA. And I think that Cleveland at least has a chance of being of, of being better. And I just don't see any scenario where – if the Wizards do, it'll be an awesome story. I like Thomas Bryant. I like I – like, Brown, I like, um, I like, I love Beal. He's great. Like that's one of the things that's complicated about this is like Beal of all the bottom tier teams, Beal's the best player. So it's like can Beal just like be good enough to lift them? And and the answer is I just don't think he can be. I just don't think that because he's not Kawhi and it's not like oh he's gonna lock up two dudes and make a bunch of steals and do everything. like he's great, but he's not that. And so I don't think he can raise the bar high enough for them to be in any sense competitive. So I have to take the over there. Yeah, to me, I think that's the difference between a, like, top 15 to 20 player and, like, a top 8 player. Yeah. And and Brad's in – I mean, I voted for him for All-NBA last year. So in my opinion, yeah. he had a top 15 NBA, uh, you know, NBA season last year. Uh, yeah. I think he's somewhere like – Brad, Like, Brad Beal can be the second best player on a championship team. I have zero – Qualms about saying that. Like I think oh, Bradley Beal. I totally Beal, agree. Second, yeah, yeah. He can he can one hundred percent be the second best player on a championship team. Um, and if he's number one, and you have like a number two that's like a an ultra elite defensive player who's also like passable offensively, and they have a great cast around them and awesome coaching and everything is like killer. Um, then I could probably talk myself into them having a run in them if things broke right. Um, yeah, like if it's like uh, the twenty. 2013 Nuggets. Yeah. Like that but It's team. also like – it's also the, – the list of guys that can legitimately carry a bad team to being decent is actually really low. Like we saw that with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, okay. Prime – early career Kevin Love. Yeah. Kevin Garnett for crying out loud. Yeah. Kevin Garnett's a great example. Like that was the most valuable player in the league, and he could not raise the team to being passable. So, yeah. Like – and 13 and a half is like – that's a pretty sharp line. Right, because you're basically what you're basically saying there is you're saying um, will the will the Hawks and Cavs be worse or will the Hawks and or Cavs? And I'm then surprised one you haven't mentioned Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte's Charlotte's there too. Now Charlotte's kind of the outlier here, right? In that like um, Charlotte can mess everything up because they are legitimately trying to be bad. Like they are literally taking their good players and saying we're not going to play them. Like they're going to be they're going to be awful. And like the, I think the Knicks are going to be terrible too. I had the Knicks as the worst team in the conference. Until preseason, um, so it's it's tough, but I do still wind up 
like I will say this like Cody Zeller would probably start on the Wizards. He might start next to Thomas Bryant, but he would he would start right. He would help them defensively. Yeah, Nick Batum would obviously be your starting three guard. Like you're starting three. Like you would play him yeah. at three. That's what you would do. Michael Gilchrist would obviously start for you. Mm-hmm. Um, like down the line. So like there are NBA players of starting caliber on the Hornets that are not on the Wizards, and that to me is like a problem. I think we brushed over my Jan Mahimi pun. That was amazing. And I just I just like wanted was, to. I didn't, I didn't honestly I didn't want to give you. That. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to take a moment because it was so good. It needed to, <laughs> like I wanted to let it just flow naturally. Um, I didn't want to like highlight it because it would be too. It's like a work of art where you're like, oh, look at the duck. Like the duck is a symbolism. You don't want to do that. Like you just want. <laughs> like is duck. it is it is it a duck or a rabbit? Yeah, the duck speaks for itself. Yeah, is it a is it a Jan Mahimi pun or is it a Giannis and Tetakumpo pun or is it a Jan? No, really, is it? It's a Wizards podcast. So I'll say is it a Jan Mahimi pun or a Jan Vesley pun. Oh, nice. Airwolf. We'll, 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 we'll contrast our yawns. Um, Contrasting. I'll, ahead, I'll beat you to the punch. Um, so I did my over-unders, which you can find on Action Network. I ranked yes. all of By the, the way, I'm taking, I'm taking the over on Standing in the East. I think they're going to be bottom two with Charlotte. Okay. Um, uh, on Action Network, I did over-unders for every win total and ranked them by based off of confidence. So, like, if you take my pick on either over or under and then rank them by confidence – um, and I forget where I wound up with the Wizards in terms of uh, their number. They are uh, – ultimately, I finished with them as my sixth most confident for the under. Um, the number is just too high. If this was five lower, if this was 21 and a half, I would probably label it a stay away, and I'm dropping significantly. But 26 and a half – I just can't get there. I don't think they have enough NBA players. I don't know how many Beal's going to play. I don't know what like their long-term future looks like. They may actively like – you said, like, if they trade Davis Bertans for two second-rounders, that could legitimately cost them, like, 20% of their total win total. You know? Like, that's that's not great. That's, that's terrifying. Uh, a single injury – if Brad Beal – God forbid, suffers any sort of just like a hey, he's gonna be out a month. Tweaked his hamstring, it's gonna be a month. Like, how many games are they winning in that span? Like, they'll catch some teams because that again, just like in the NBA, some somebody's got to score. Teams are gonna win games. They're gonna win some games, um, but it gets real dicey against your average opponent. It turns a lot of would be wins into losses. Uh, so I will go ahead and I will take the under on the twenty six and a half. Yeah, I'm under two. I'm under 26 and a half also. I I have guessed like two, two or three win totals for this team, depending on where you're listening. I think when I was on Dunked On, I guess the different one that I did on this podcast and then, then I did when I, I wrote it. Uh, I think I've had them at anywhere from like 22 to 24 wins, uh, but all of those are under. And uh, Hey, you can also, by the way, like I have them right in front of me. There's three books in the United States that offer them at 27 and a half. Well, there you go. You so, even like, less. yeah, yeah, an extra, an extra win, just, just, just for insurance sake. Just this in is case. why you bring him. Bring, you go to the guy at the Action Network. He knows what he's doing. So, yeah, I. Uh, it, it'll be a year for you. You will, you will have a year. So, I think the more interesting questions with them are. Are they going to finish with a, a better or worse? Because it was this with the Hornets, and I was ready to make a bet with Andy Glockner that 
the Hornets would finish with more wins than the Knicks. And then media day happened when Michael K. Gilchrist said, I haven't talked to the coaching staff. I don't know what my role is. And uh, Nick Batum was like, yeah, they made it pretty clear they're going to play the young guys. And I was like, oh, no. Like, oh, oh, the Hornets are are aggressively tanking out of the gate. And so I peel back from that. But like the Wizards, will they like will the Wizards win more or fewer games than the New York Knicks? That's a more interesting question. The Knicks have I mean the Knicks have a totally messed up roster, but they have NBA players. Right. Like they, and the, they've got 5 of them at power forward. So yeah. yeah, I mean their roster is totally messed up. Like like okay, Mitchell Robinson uh, Alfred Payton is an NBA player. Taj Gibson, uh, Bobby Portis, Julius Randle. Marcus that's Morris. Five. Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris. That's six. And then, uh, like you hope, RJ Barrett. That's seven. Uh, you can give them the benefit of oh, Frank Nealakina has sure. turned the corner because of FIBA, and that gets you to eight. Um, I just tend to. I always want to fade the Knicks just because they're the Knicks, right? But then, like. That and so that they've really I want odds on the worst worst record in the East. I really do. I want the record. I want odds on that. I would like to write on that subject um, very much about who will have the worst record in the Eastern Conference. I think it's going to be uh, a fascinating tank off because of where the three teams are positioned. Yes, it will. It most definitely will. And adding to the dynamic is uh, the new tanking odds as well. Mm-hmm. So, incentive, so we're still we're still learning exactly how teams are going to react to that. And and you know what? Everyone talks about well, you know, you look at last year and New Orleans had, you know, New Orleans wasn't anywhere near number one in the lottery, and then they get the number one pick. And the Lakers wasn't near anywhere number four, and the Lakers get the number four pick. And Memphis wasn't near anywhere anywhere number two, and they get the number two pick. It's like. This, the, the tanking worked, and so now you don't tank. It's like, no, the odds are still the same as they were last year. It's not like you don't let because Memphis was number two and they weren't supposed to get number two. Now I'm not going to tank. Your strategy should be the same. The math is still exactly the same. It's like people do not get probability. But at the same time, like there might be some people in the NBA who don't factor in the probability too and that the probability is the same and just are like, well, Memphis – is getting the number two pick, so I guess we're not going to tank when we otherwise would have if the team that was supposed to get the number two pick actually got the number two pick. So, but I guess here, here's the difference, right? It's like Charlotte's able to do this because like, they have mechanisms to tank. They are literally not going to start their best players. Like they are literally not going to play their best players the most. They're going to play their worst players or their inexperienced players who will likely struggle and make more mistakes and cost them wins the most. Um, there's double benefits there, right? Um, the Knicks, I don't think like they're like them tanking would be very weird because they'd have to make trades because they have a baseline of competency that they'd have to get past. But then like they're the Knicks, so they'll find a way. Like the Wizards, I really like Beal is the only thing you can really do. Like there's nobody you can take off the floor. Like Thomas Bryan, I think is like I said, I like Thomas Bryan a lot. But you know that uh, that'll be the interesting thing. Like is Rui the kind of player that? You know what? Like when he's on the floor, we're too good. Like we're too good with Rui on the floor. We got to shut him down. Like that can wind up costing him all all rookie nod. You know, like this stuff gets complicated. Where it's like, you know, okay, is it really worth it to us to make sure that we get the 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 third or the fourth versus the fifth spot in the lottery? 
You know, because I do think I do think Memphis will be worse. I think, well, maybe. I think Memphis will probably be worse based off of how inexperienced they are. They just have nobody that knows how to win. They just they have Jay Crowder, and that's it. Like nobody on that team knows how to win. Jonas Valanciunas a little bit, you know. Um, Iguodala. So, yeah, like the well, they don't have him though. Uh, <laughs> but like you know, versus the Wizards, like Bradley Beal will be like, hey, go do this. Like we're gonna do this to them. You know, they don't. They have at least some level of of and CG Miles will help in that regard too. But yeah, like I don't know how the Wizards tank though. I Isaiah Thomas will help in that regard. Yeah, I don't know. Guys, how they listen tank. to Isaiah Thomas, and you know what? John Wall will still be there to help in that. Yeah, and John Wall will be there to help too. That's so. true. Hey, you know what'd be cool though is if we're completely wrong. Like, you know, I think it'd be awesome if the Wizards started out like, hey, like they're ten and eight. You know, like how incredible would that be if they got that? And how many bets would just be on fire if they got to ten wins? <laughs> I kind of think they're gonna be fun. Like I could see them. Everybody being thinks fun. that now, though. Like the like Hawks fans are all like, "Oh, this is gonna be such an exciting." Oh, I, I do think the Hawks are gonna be fun. They're gonna be bad, but they're gonna be fun. I don't think the Hawks are going to sniff the playoffs. But teams like, are always Young, more fun. Teams are always more fun now, like conceptually, than they actually yeah, the are Hawks, when you're trying Hawks to watch them. Fun. The Hawks won 29 games last year, and they were fun. Like, they were fun. Was fun. I agree, John I agree Collins is fun. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. They were. Fun. They are. I. I agree. Seven-year-old Vince Carter is fun. Yeah. Like when yeah, Vince Hawks, Carter the dunks, Hawks, the Hawks genuinely are fun because Trey's Trey's makes all the whole, stirs the drink. When Vince Carter becomes the oldest player in NBA history to windmill dunk in a game, that's going to be really fun. Yeah. And he's going to have, like, every once in a while, like once a month, Vince Carter busts out, like, a really nice dunk still. And it is thrilling. It is unbelievably fun. Trey Young is incredibly fun. He's an unreal passer. Takes wild shots. Sometimes they go in. Sometimes they don't. But they're always fun. John Collins dunks on dudes. I think the Hawks are fun. I think this team will be fun. They're going to take I, – I really do think they're going to take a lot of threes. Like they took the second most threes in the preseason. They're really dedicated to it. They're running a different kind of offense. I, I don't think they're going to be like a horrible offensive team. They've got some shooters. Like if Mo Wagner shoots okay from three, then they've got him as a shooter. I think Thomas Bryant is going to shoot well from three. Obviously Beal is there. Obviously, Bertans is there. If CJ Miles is healthy, then you got him. Like they, they have some. So they can put out some lineups with with pretty good three point shooting. And I think they're going to take a lot of threes. And they're really becoming a lot more analytically reliant now, which I think will kind of give them a little bit of an up on the teams that are that are lagging behind in that, where they can maybe just win a game because they get hot with the right shot selection against a team that doesn't have good shot selection. So I think that's something that can. That can help them help them a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm taking the under, but but I actually think they could be fun. Like it, it, it's I think it's fun to watch a team play fast, uh, move a lot, make quick decisions, and shoot a lot of threes. Yeah, like I I like that. Like even those 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 76ers teams are a bad example because they weren't fun. They were just so like historically bad, like ten yeah. wins bad that yeah. they. That they couldn't have been fun, and but like if team, they were fifteen wins better and winning twenty five games, like they would have been fun because they had athletic, scrappy dudes who were like playing, you know, theoretically the right way, you know, and like yeah, that and, like, can still be the, fun. The to Wizards, watch. like the Wizards, aren't the Bobcats where you're like, why would I like, why would you even watch this team do anything? 
You know, like why would you watch this team? Like you, you, you know what? Why you're watching a Wizards game? You're like, oh, like I want to watch Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryant, really. Like that's why I'm watching. Yeah, like and Bradley Beal is fun. Yeah, and, and Bradley Beal is uh, really fun. He's really good. And I, I have to say all of this because I just need people to subscribe. Matt, <laughs> tell, tell, tell uh, everybody about your great work over at Action Network and uh, plug everything that is worth yeah. plugging. Uh, check out the actionnetwork.com. Download our app. Our app is legitimately awesome. Um, if you want to track scores, so I've actually timed it where I've gone from, I've actually watched a play happen and I get logged at the scores table and timed it. And for an NBA game that I was in person at, it was six seconds from the time it logged to when it showed up on my phone. Um, our app is routinely faster than your television feed. So if you want like the fastest information on scores and stats, you need to download our app. Our 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 API is just incredible uh, in terms of how it processes the information. It's got analysis, and not just on the lines, but just on everything. But a lot, if you want every single angle covered, we've got you. Uh, all my stuff is over there. You can we've got all sorts of subscription plans and options uh, to go along with your athletic subscription, which of course you're going to want to get to get Fred's work. Uh, it's awesome. Check it out at actionnetwork.com and download our app. And anywhere you get your applications, it's the Action Network app. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at HP Basketball. As many people, including it, turns out Kevin Durant do. That was so great. I love it. it. Was so 2019 that you did like essentially an awesome live interview over Twitter with Kevin Durant about basketball strategy and analytics in the game, in which she was like super thoughtful and receptive, and it was like it was so good. To the point that the Wizards social media guy, Zach Rosen, came up to me at practice the next day and was like, did you see that Matt Moore, Kevin Durant thing? And I thought he was going to say, like, oh, he got dunked on. But he was like, that was so interesting. That was, like, so cool to see Durant's thoughts on that. I was like, I know. It was Durant. awesome. And it is so 2019 that that happened. And the takeaway on every site that aggregated it was, <laughs> look at this guy dunk on, the get nerd. dunked on by the nerd because he likes graphs. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, um, that was like I the, can't believe the I haven't mentioned any graphs or charts during this podcast. That's a major fail by me. By yeah, the, way. It was, the the uh, dichotomy was really interesting in terms of like half of the reactions were like, "This is really great. You did really well." Like everybody's like, "You really like showed yourself well in that." And the other half are like, "You got dunked on, bro. <laughs> Delete your account." Um, one thing I, I wrote about it on Action Network just because like you have to capitalize on these things. It's just like my editors were not going to be like, "No, no, it's fine. I'm not going to write about how Kevin Durant was like chatting me up." Um, but it was just like, look, Katie's followed me for a while, and like he just responds to everybody. Like that was the thing I was like trying to stress. I was like, it's more high profile because I have more followers. But like Katie will have been talking to anybody. Like if he'd seen anybody, and he follows like fifteen hundred people. If he'd seen anybody tweeting what I did, then he would have wanted to have that conversation. But I really, I he later was like, he was like, it's pretty typical. He was annoyed that everybody was going to make it into athlete dunks on nerd, and I kind of appreciated that because he could have just been like, yeah, but like. The fact that he was willing to have the conversation, and I, it's weird because you know how seriously he takes basketball and how important it is to him, but he doesn't take the conversations about it that seriously. Like, he's not, like, a zealot in terms of the, what, how he came off to me was, like, he was not of the mindset that the way I think about basketball is how everyone should think about it. He's like, I think this is how I think about it, and, like, this is how I think it should be, but I'm not, like, you're not a moron for thinking of it differently. And I was, that was what surprised me, and I appreciated it from him. I thought it was super cool. It was really interesting. Like he even uh, like off of your – and the conversation for those who 
have lives and aren't on Twitter all the time was about the pros and cons of the mid-range shot, and you were arguing against it and or debating against it, and KD was was laying out the pros of it and and saying that it's it's a comfort shot, and if if more guys were allowed to take it, then he believes that percentages would go up because guys would feel more comfortable and feel more backed by it. Um, and uh, even somebody else, he said like no stars are impacted by the analytics of the mid-range shot, and somebody else tweeted at him and said, well, James Harden is because of the way Houston plays. And he says, James Harden never liked the mid-range shot. He was never taking the mid-range shots, and they obviously played together in Oklahoma City. And the person responded with Harden's shot distribution, said that he took like 17% mid-range shots in Oklahoma City uh, his rookie year, and then took like 2% last year in Houston. And KD responded with, wow, that is drastic. I guess he really has changed. Like he was totally open to having the conversation. And yeah. I just love that everyone was like, oh, that nerd. Yeah. It was... He got rocked. Yeah. And yeah, but here's the thing. Even my wife's making, making, like she's been making graph jokes at me for like the last week. <laughs> I'm catching them. I'm catching the L's here at home. <laughs> anyway, oh, I got to run. So good. Yes. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Matt. Hold on for one, like legit 30 seconds. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. TheAthletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. You can get a subscription over there, 40% off, and you can get the bonus episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, and we're going to be on Spotify and all that stuff. I'll be back with an episode, first post-game show, after the season opener against Dallas. Going to have Tim Cato, who covers the maps, for The Athletic. Thank you for listening. Matthew, thank you for coming on, and I will talk to you guys in a couple days.